This episode of the Council of the First Ones was recorded on November 24th, 2019. Welcome to another episode of the Council of the First Ones. I'm Kelly, your host. Joining me today is my friend Renee from Nerds on the Couch. Hi, Renee. Hello, Kelly. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I am on vacation, so I'm ecstatic right now. (laughs) I have a few more days before I could say that. I'm still doing report cards. (laughs) We also have Rex joining us. How are you doing, Rex? I'm doing very well, Kelly. I'm looking forward to Thanksgiving. Thank you for having me. And I also have Sean joining us online. Hi, everybody. Glad to be back and thankful to be here. And Dave, I see you brought a friend with you. Absolutely. Yeah, I've been reading uh, the He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, uh, Masters of the Multiverse comic book series. And uh, I invited a very special guest today, Dan Fraga. One of the artists working on the series, he's a comic book artist, concept artist, and animation and film director from uh, Martinez, California. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Fantastic. Well, Thank you. For... <laughs> yeah, we're all wanting. <laughs> <laughs> well, before That's crazy. we go on, I, I just want to warn our audience, there could be spoilers if you have not even picked up. Masters of the Multiverse. So you have been warned. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so please, please, just to be polite, because we're like, we have an awesome interview coming. But please, read the comic book, then come back. We'll be yes. here. That's Don't worry, definitely. we're here. <laughs> you can pick, it, pick up a digital copy or visit your local comic book shop. Well, actually, now that that, that kind of jumped into this, I want to ask real quick, Dan, how are you? Are you the print paper guy or are you the digital guy that's a debate that goes on now in the comic book community that's weird uh i've i've been both for a long time in fact uh before the advent of being able to purchase digital copies i used to scan mine and archive them so i'd have digital versions of them just because i i'm such an avid fan of if let's just put it this way if i could travel with two long boxes with me at all times, I would. Uh, but <laughs> it, they're very heavy, so I put them on my iPad. Um, but I prefer, I mean, I have a spinner rack in my, my office. I uh, Before I even have a cup of coffee, I take a huff of the spinner rack because I, I like newsprint. I like the, I like the feeling of it. Um, I, I was never really a bag and board kind of guy. I maybe own one or two slapped comics just because the... That was what was available, so I'm kind of old school. That said, though, I still like to be. I like the fact that I can carry two long boxes of comics everywhere I go. That was me when I was a kid. When when I was a teenager, uh, like back in the '90s, back when you broke into comics, actually in '91, when the image revolution started hitting, I had two short boxes of comics that meant the world to me. And I had that and a sketch pad and pencils. And I'd take those anytime my mom was like, okay, we got to go here or there. 
I'm like, yeah. I'm bringing them because if I get yeah. bored, I'm drawing. <laughs> that's right. So that's I did right. the same thing when I was a kid. That's awesome. I'm glad I'm not the only person that did that. No, no. <laughs> or that at least feels that way. I facilitate. Think. You got to facilitate. It, it's like a, it's kind of an indescribable uh, itch, almost like an addiction. But like, yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> no people like to throw that Stan Lee quote that paraphrase a bit comic books are like women they look great on the computer screen but it's awesome to have one in your hands uh, <laughs> <that's an excellent. laughs> I'm, I'm happy if they're reading uh, if anybody's <laughs> reading them that's like for me at the end of the day uh, uh if as long as you're reading the comic that's what yeah and that's how i was about to say i'm i'm more digital because yeah. I had boxes and boxes of comic books. They were in my basement, and of course, my basement got flooded uh, one year. Yeah. yeah. Ouch. And I lost so many comics. This was like early 2006, 2005. Oh, it's heartbreaking. And yeah, and since then, I've switched to digital. And, you know, my eyes aren't the greatest anymore. I'm getting older. Yeah. I have to wear bifocals now, and I love the Zoom feature. Oh yeah, you know, I yeah. love that too. Because yeah. I, you know, I I I'm a uh, art first, writing second kind of guy, and you know that that that's kind of like picking your favorite side of Twix in a way. You know, <laughs> the, the you know I like them equally, but the thing about art, and it's something I tell people breaking in that you know uh, art you can enjoy in five seconds, where re, you know when you have to read something, you got to put a little more time into it. So. Uh, you know, I like sometimes I'll just go through a comic, especially ones I've read a million times and just use that zoom feature and soak in the details that, uh, you don't quite get when just reading you, you almost have to pour through it like a, a mm-hmm. forensics expert. <laughs> and, and do you keep, enhance, enhance. Mm-hmm. and do you yeah. keep that in mind when, uh, now that you're making comic books for the digital reader that you know they're going to zoom in specifically look at a panel of yours no uh i i would say maybe 20 years ago i would but i found that i'm the most happy and most content when all the only person i try to make happy when i'm drawing is uh and i know that sounds selfish or whatever but i figure if i'm enjoying it then then the chances are there's going to be someone else out there that enjoys it but the second I try to get inside someone else's head, uh, that's when you, it gums up the works because you never know what someone's going to like, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, mm-hmm. but that said, uh, uh, the guys I enjoy the most, like the Art Adams, Jack uh, uh, Jack Kirby, but uh, Art Adams, Michael Golden, Todd McFarlane, those are guys that put details on top of details. Uh, mm-hmm. So I tend to draw that way anyway. You know, it's interesting. You, you you mentioned the detail and the first issue of that comic. You know, it just lots and lots of detail pour out of them from the those Mondo designs of yeah. He-Man and Skeletor, and then it's contrasted by Anti-Eternia He-Man, who's just black. It's yeah. like it's just yeah. like he was covered in oil or something. You know? Yeah, he's he's uh he's he's hard to draw because you know I'm trying to think of like this sort of negative person. You know, like if the, you took a picture and looked at the film negative, like a version of a person walking around looking like that. But I'll tell you, um, issue two, if you guys like the details in issue one, issue two, when we are in He-Man New Adventures, uh, which, you know, this is the spoiler time. But at the end of issue one, we kind of lead on, 
lead the reader on to that's what we're doing. Those particular designs were very, very time consuming to draw. Uh, because again, I'm a detail oriented person. I tried, I studied the toys. I even bought uh, a couple of them when I was at PowerCon. They, nice. they were not, they were not cheap. Uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> I, got, uh, I got a Skeletor and the only one that I could find was in the blister pack and it was 70 bucks. Uh, but you know, he, he kind of paid for himself because I could look at him at every angle. You know, I, I saw your uh, teaser, your your sketch of uh, Skeletor, New Adventures Skeletor. Yeah. And just I was just blown away. Yeah. Oh, I loved thanks. it. Oh, my Thank God. You. I can't. It's like I cannot wait to dig into that one. That one's a lot of fun. Issue two is is a lot of fun. I mean, three. I'm working on three now. So uh, it's it's difficult. Sometimes uh, I have a saying and it goes like this. It's hard to read the label when you're in the jar. Uh, when, when, when I'm in the middle of a book, I'm, I, I'm almost teleported to those scenes and I'm trying to hear the crackle of fire or the coldness of a dungeon or, or whatever. And I, I don't have a chance to really step away and kind of look at it. And, uh, with issue one, I, I've been able to do that and, and appreciate it. And issue two, uh, you know, we, we had to do some, uh, what do you call it? Quality control where you take a look at the last, it's sort of the last pass, are all the words right, are all the colors right, is everything right? Uh, it wasn't until then I was like, man, this issue really, <laughs> this is a lot of fun. This, yeah. this second <laughs> issue is a lot of fun. But with the third <laughs> issue, I'm going to assume that it's more fun, uh, but uh, it's, it's hard, like I said, it's hard, to, uh, it's hard to judge it when you're inside it. You know, there should be plenty of detail for you to play with in the third issue. The preview that's been provided publicly is that it's going to feature 2000X. Yes, uh, the cartoon and toy line. Yes, yeah. and 2000X <laughs> has uh, all of all of the things that you would want uh, and more. What kind of what kind of studying have do you have to do you know with this uh, this series you know have you gone through there's, and- there's a lot there's a lot so I I got the uh, the art of the masters of the universe book I also got the other one the one that uh, I think art of is the one that Tim Seeley and his brother worked on uh, then I also I worked for Mattel for five and a half years in their animated content department so I was familiar with what we referred to it as the mike young he-man uh right. even though it's the 2000x but it would internally we referred to that so uh i'll go like for space he-man that one was hard because our new adventures i call it uh for new adventures that was a lot more difficult because the resources are harder to find it's a little mm-hmm. more obscure i didn't even know it existed and i like i said i worked for mattel yeah uh so what <laughs> i'll do is i'll scour the internet for anything that I can find, I'll watch uh, some episodes to kind of get the vibe of stuff. And then I will try to find it. I'll go through the script and I have a list of all the characters and locations. And I will scour the internet uh, for anything that I can find with uh, with those characters and locations. And, and get a real sort of lay of the land. Some of the stuff we draw is new. You know, uh, some of it, it isn't. Uh, and the stuff that isn't the, the pre-established stuff, that's the stuff that, uh, I, I do, you know, a deep dive and it's usually during the layout process that I'm doing that. And then, uh, when it comes to the, the execution of the pencils is when I'll, uh, I'll open up 
an image like, for example, uh, today I had to draw Evil in and uh, her design is very complex, mm-hmm. you know, uh, for and the other thing, too. And Tim, Tim and I were talking about Spacey Man. We were doing the, our postmortem at the end of two talking about three. And he goes, I'm really sorry about this version of Skeletor. I said, why? He goes, just wait till you get to the boots. Huh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> See, we and, know what you're talking about. Perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. It's a page I drew where I like, it was the first time I had to draw Skeletor's boots and they took me 45 minutes to draw the oh, boots. Wow. And like, <laughs> you know, the contrast is, is I can draw a Captain America in 30 seconds, you right. know? Uh, or, you know, a 70s Captain America boot. So, the, yeah, this is uh, pretty hardcore. So, you nice. know, I have, I have, I'm actually holding um, Disco, Disco Skeletor in my hand. Right now, <laughs> oh, <we're> wonderful. Because <laughs> uh, when I, when I draw him, I, ha- I mean, I try to be as accurate as I possibly can because I know, you know, as a comic book artist, I know there are fans, but as, as uh, drawing something as uh, well-loved, cherished as He-Man, I try to make sure that I honor it in every way I can. Like, you know, I, I try not to take any liberties. I try to make everything as exacting as I can. And in fact, the only character that I had any sort of uh, say in is, is what Keldor looks like. I designed his outfit because there was no pre-existing like teen, mm-hmm. teen Keldor outfit. So mm-hmm. I, I got the idea of like what, what kids would wear, you know, with the hoodie and, mm-hmm. and all that. But then I try to take elements from the skeletor he could become and put them into uh into the design so that one that one you know that one's easy to draw i don't have to use reference because i you know i know what he looks like but mm. everybody else you know that tila like tila 2000 x tila you look at just her uh, her torso design alone mm-hmm. and there's mm-hmm. so much filigree and and uh you know, there's like a Florida lease themed sort of thing going on. Yeah. Um, anyhow, I do a lot of research and, and I, <laughs> I, I try to keep uh, if I can get a hold of the toy, I get I buy the toy. And if I can't, then I have a lot of uh, photo reference that I, right. I look at to make sure wow. I'm putting the things in the right place. You do your homework. I do. Are, are you using the making use of the World Compendium book for from uh, Dark Horse Comics? I believe I have it. Uh, there, there are a couple books that I have. I'm, I'm mm. looking at them. They're big. Let me see what this one, this one <laughs> is called <laughs> the art of, uh, I also have the He-Man omnibus. Oh, nice. He-Man and the master's universe character guide and world compendium. There it so is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have them. I have them. That was a favorite of mine. Yeah. I've all, I also have the digital <laughs> one too. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to say, uh, uh, I was going to say that with the 2000 X bios, uh, in the companion book, I, I wrote those. Oh man, that's yeah. awesome. Very <laughs> with, cool. With help with a lot of editing and stuff, but you know, that's uh, right. I want to point out, I was the editor. Excellent. <laughs> Is your blade dull? You're getting tired, not getting to the point. Come to trap draws blade service. We'll get you sharpened up real quick. Bringing back idea of the, the issues and all that, I was curious to know, how did they bring you in? Can you tell us about that? You know, because this yeah. is an undertaking. Well, I worked before. Okay, here's my uh, like a brief history. I started working in comics six months out of high school. I got hired uh, by Rob Liefeld to work in Image Comics. 
I worked in comics uh, until 2002. I did a little bit of stuff for Marvel. In 2003, I started storyboarding movies and commercials. So I storyboarded like The Transporter and Fantastic Four 2 and uh, The Fighter and a few other movies. A lot of music videos, a lot of commercials. One of the movies I had worked on, which was called ATL, had me uh, storyboarding and also doing on-camera art because the character was an aspiring cartoonist. So anytime the character was drawing something, they needed a piece of art, I would do the art. I would show the actor kind of how to fake adding to it. And, you know, they basically I made the movie prop uh, of what they were drawing. So from that particular job, uh, one of the producers was producing a pilot for MTV where they needed the same thing to happen. They needed storyboards. The character was a cartoonist and they needed on camera storyboards. Well, the show is very uh, risque. So they decided to do a portion of the uh, the pilot with one minute of animation. And they asked me if I could animate. I said, uh, I know how it works. I'll, I'll figure it out. Uh, so I I created all the assets, hired uh, an animator to work with me in After Effects, and we did the pilot. The show ended up getting picked up, and they needed uh, a different style of animation every single episode. So uh, oh, wow. it, the show is called The Hard Times of R.J. Berger. It ran on MTV back in like 2009 and 2010. Uh, while I was working for... On R.J. Berger, I worked with a company called Wild Brain. Wild Brain had Yo Gabba Gabba, uh, a few other things, but they also had this brand new show called The Ricky Gervais Show. The Ricky Gervais Show for season two needed a director. They liked what I had done on the hard time stuff and saw that I could deal with humor and, and uh, complex ideas. So they hired me on. Uh, I directed two seasons of that. And from there, uh, I got hired at Mattel. And Mattel, they had me working on a lot of properties monster high ever after high max steel hot wheels and some of the guys that i worked with uh you i'm sure you know their names uh rob david and lloyd goldfine uh they you know they write a lot of the they had written the thundercats he-man crossover and, and rob david is sort of the the keeper of the he-man uh <laughs> over there at mattel well i worked i worked with rob you know every every day that we'd see each other every day. And one of the things that he thought was uh, really fun about what I'm able to do is, is that I, I can kind of analyze things and distill them down into uh, stylistic uh, approaches that are true to whatever they are. That's what we did on hard times. So anyway, after, after um, I left Mattel, I moved out to Atlanta, been working on doom patrol the, the TV show Doom Patrol and another one for CW called Legacies as their storyboard wow. artist. And uh, I got a call this summer from Rob David, and he said, listen, we're going to be doing this Masters of the Multiverse thing. The only, the first and only name that came up uh, was yours because you could really handle the different uh, versions of things. What That's do you funny. think? And I said, uh, no. I said, no, I can't. <laughs> uh, I'm, you know, storyboarding and... Uh, it gets real busy, but you know the shows are on hiatus. But no, thank you so much. Ring, ring, ring. Are you are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. So I I, I, turned, I turned it down three times, uh, just because you know just how much there was to do. And then I don't know. I think they said something about uh, my firstborn, 
And uh, I was like, okay, <laughs> sure, I'll do it. Uh, so uh, next thing I knew, I was I was drawing it. But they, they, the long and short of it was that I worked for Mattel. Rob David uh, is a comics fan. He also knows that uh, my analytical side as a director and thought I would be perfect for it. And clearly you are. I mean, that that's great that you're putting your skills to use, you know, from your ex, your prior experiencing in having to uh, on the fly, like, come, you know, at the same time, uh, work with different styles like you do. I'm, I feel very blessed. And you've kept busy. I've been looking at your, uh, what do you call it? Not a discography, but a, what, what's the comic version of that? Uh, uh, bibliography, comicography. Yes. I don't know. Yeah, very impressive work. Thanks. Part of it, I was going to ask you: Were you prepared for the all the iterations? I know you said that you, uh, before we got to you on the interview, that you weren't familiar with it except for filmation, and now yeah. you've seen that there are a billion iterations you're dealing oh, yeah. with now. Yeah, I mean, I I knew about the Dolph Lundgren one too because when I was. Uh, a little kid, like right around 85, 86, 87-ish, uh, I was obsessed with action movie heroes. And, and uh, you know, and I would buy anything that had like Arnold or Dolph or uh, Stallone or Jean-Claude Van Damme on it. And I remember buying the muscle magazine, Dolph on the cover as He-Man. Uh, so I, I was fond of that that one too. Uh, but, you know, the I was aware of 2000X. Because of my work at Mattel, I had no clue about New Adventures. I didn't know anything about Tapper's a Gray Skull. Uh, I had no uh, understanding, and I can't—I I don't want to go super spoilery, uh, but I didn't know that there were so many iterations and and, and going, you know, back even before uh, filmmaking, you know. That actually, that's something I was curious about. Is there an iteration since you've taken over this book and began drawing all these different versions? Is there one that you enjoy, enjoy drawing the most? And the other thing is, is there a version of it that you find yourself now, like you want to know more about them or that's more maybe your version of the characters than maybe the ones that you knew before you took over this project? My hands down absolute favorite character to draw and you're gonna see you're gonna see the love in issue two but uh new adventure skeletor that that guy that guy's my dude that guy's my dude like he i love him i love him so much i love his design he was uh what is it what is it when you you must enjoy putting yourself through pain is that a masochist i forget yeah you're a masochist <laughs> yes yeah, yeah. The, the, there's a masoch- masochistic element to having to draw this guy uh and maybe I, i've been gaslit uh by him and i've got the stockholm syndrome where i, <laughs> I love my captor uh but uh, it, it would definitely be uh, Space Skeletor. I mean, I, I'm enjoying drawing Disco Skeletor, uh, mm-hmm. but Space, yeah, Space Skeletor is the dude. I you know, it, it's a good choice that you went with uh, the classics uh, toy version of him as opposed to the the cartoon yes. version. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that because I had uh, a, a big discussion. One of the discussions we had uh, at the end of issue one is they – that page twenty, they had asked me to redraw it uh, in oh. the in the style of the cartoon. Oh, I and, see. And 
I said, listen, I understand if we're going to be doing it with Tapper of Grayskull because that's a story point. And I understand if we're going to be doing it with the filmation mm-hmm. stuff. I said, but this this He-Man is so obscure. This this version mm-hmm. of uh, of He-Man is so obscure that I don't know if what section of fandom will be like, oh, that's great. And and of it, will it matter? Or what's more important is the vibe of it and and really continuing the adventure in sort of a, a more seamless way. Uh, so they ended up uh, agreeing with that. But like filmation, when we get to the filmation stuff, um, it'll look like the cartoon, but it'll look like our characters will be drawn normal inside of that world. Nice. Cool. Excellent. Well, yeah, I have a question for you. On uh, page 15 of the first issue, I was yes. curious which generation of He-Man were you depicting as the black called the mini He-Man? Was he the Funko Pop? Was he a loyal He's... subject? No, he's Tappers of Grayskull. It's a um, it's a phone app version where ah. he, 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 uh, it's just called Tappers of Grayskull, and you can download it for your phone. And it's it's one of those one thumb games where you're you know you're He Man <laughs> and you defeat giant versions of Merman and it's you know, a fun game. Yeah, it it, it's, it's it lives up to its name because that's what you do the entire time is you're tapping the screen yeah, yeah, like yeah. a crazy person. <laughs> yeah, you'll end up tapping it for like days on end before. Yeah. Uh, again, I I I gotta admit I for I had I have the app or yeah. I had it and I completely forgot about it. There was two games. There was two games of uh, there was an Apple game where it's kind of like a rolling and. Uh, First it was He-Man, then they added She-Ra, and then that one kind of disappeared, and then the Tappers came out. Yeah. And I I completely admit I had it, I played it. Once I got everybody out, I yeah. kind of got frustrated because you know you just tap 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 and that's all it is. Become, yeah. yeah. And then I just deleted, it, and then when I saw the comic book, I was like, where do I know that He-Man from? Yep. You, you know, you know like, from, like you you know him from tapping. <laughs> Yeah, and then I was like, oh, yes, yes, talk about obscure. Yeah, I was particularly curious about the Easter costume he was wearing. Uh, so that so in that's in Tappers, too. They had yeah. an Easter Easter edition where he would do that. They had a Christmas edition. Uh, he clangs his, when he clangs his uh, gauntlets together, money falls out of the sky. It's like, he's really weird. He's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> You you know, I I wanted to touch on uh, other inspirations you may have had uh, when you were, uh, you know, making these pages. Uh, That's fantastic. You know, your direction that that they, you know, listen to your direction with uh, New Adventures Uh, with the Hell Skull. Yeah. uh, You know, that's a fantastic design. And, it's not uh, my design. It's not my design. In fact, uh, yeah. I found out after I had drawn it, mm-hmm. after I had uh, scoured the internet, when I read Tim's script, I saw mm-hmm. Hell Skull. I looked up Hell Skull on the internet. Uh-huh. I saw this one piece, uh, and it was so damn good. I thought mm-hmm. it was official, and I used that as reference. And it turned out that it was fan art. And fortunately, yeah. uh, fortunately. Uh, he was kind enough to not be mad at me because I, I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea. I thought I was drawing right. cannon, uh, and I wasn't. Yeah, it's was, uh, Simon Eckert. That's him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah uh, no, he's it, amazing, and, and I am 
like I said, I'm super grateful. Like when I found out, I was like, oh, no, <laughs> you know, because uh, apparently there was no design for health school. That right. was that was it. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that was a uh, mea culpa, as they say. Yeah. Well, it's, I think he felt honored for that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, it's so, a beautiful I mean, design. It's a beautiful. And I got to point out. Yeah. I got to point out that at all the fandoms, you know, I kind of see all the fandoms, Star Wars, Transformers, yeah. you know, G.I. Joe and all that. You know, there's a lot of dedicated fans. But to me, I got to point out that Masters of the Universe has the best artists and yeah. the most creative. And, yeah, you know, when I saw that in the issue, I was like, oh, you know, you got it from the artist. Oh, you know, good job. You yeah. know? And I just thinking how honored. He must have felt, you know. Yeah. Well, I hope so. I, like I said, I felt like, oh, man, this guy's going to be so mad, uh, you know, that, but he wasn't. Again, like for me, I, I felt it was so good, I thought it was the official design. That's mm-hmm. that's how good, it, <laughs> yeah. how good it is. I mean, it's stunning artwork, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, it was really fun to see your version of Triclops and Trapjaw with the, the, the different color designs. Yeah. Uh, it, and it totally reminds me of the different color kind of uh, color schemes you find in the original mini comics, the Al- Alcala oh, uh, yeah. He-Man comics. Alfredo's the jam. Yeah, that, that color scheme idea was Tim Seeley's. He, he said, uh, you know, if everything sort of flipped on its edge on, in Anti-Eternia, it would be cool if we had familiar silhouettes and familiar designs with the the matted arms sort of color scheme. Nice, very nice. Yeah. Just gonna say it was very interesting to see your anti-Trinia Tila design. That was amazing. That was a lot of fun. That was uh, an amalgamation of uh, looking at it anti. Uh, I, that's how what we call him anti He-Man. We just call him anti. Looking at him. Uh, going online, there's some some other really cool stuff. Some people had done. It, they look like custom hero clicks. I don't know what they were, but I had seen some that looked really cool. I know exactly uh, what you're so, what you're thinking of. Yeah, so I did uh, sort of a mashup uh, with her. Um, since we're talking about designs, really quick, um, the one uh, there were two designs in the issue, and when I saw them, I was curious if you did this for a reason or not because. Um, in the very beginning, we have uh, Prince Adam and the Sorceress and Skull yes. and the whole Skeletor's calling them out and all that stuff. Yes. Um, and then he turns into the uh, Sideshow He-Man design. Yes. Um, now, the question that I have is, because the Sideshow is a little different than the typical He-Man design of the filmation or uh, you know the typical comics that we might remember, did you choose to do the Adam and the Sorceress looking the filmation way to set the stage of just here's Prince Adam, here's the sorceress or looking at it. Would you have wanted to do it like a sideshow version of them maybe, or like what was this your was thinking my, there? This was, this was my interpretation of what the sideshow. Okay. okay. What that, that was my interpretation of, of that because mm-hmm. the, here's the thing that gets a little tricky. Uh, I call this under the hood stuff. So you, you, get to deal with like the realities of working on a licensed product when you work on something that's licensed if i was to you know stray like i feel like sideshow's design on he-man is strays really far away from the he-man we know and love it's that's got a lot of more celtic 
almost Game of Thrones sort of touches to it. Mm-hmm. But if I had done that with Adam and Sorceress, if I had decided, because there is no pre-established sideshow Prince Adam and Sorceress, or there wasn't at the time that I drew it, uh, that I could have gone through what, what we at Mattel, when, we, when I was there, we called it the Mattel churn, where uh, a lot of eyes have to look at something to approve it. And if it's something that's already been approved, like the SciShow designs, it gets pushed through. And if I make my uh, Prince Adam and Sorceress look like sort of a uh, tuned up, modernized version of the one they already know, I figured it too would get passed through, and it did. But if I had said, oh, let's try to do like some sort of Jon Snow, Jon Snow, you know, uh, Rob Stark sort of version of Adam and Sorceress, let's tweak her out and put a bunch of filigree and like, you know, really go go all out in a way that I figured Sideshow might, uh, we could have been in weeks of uh, design approvals, which was something I did not want to, I did not want to get into that. I, I can completely understand that. That makes more sense. I, I, I thought it would have been just also just to acclimate the fans of, oh, it's Prince Adam and it's whatever. The one thing I, I really want to uh, congratulate you with, and then I'll let somebody else talk, is the, that opening shot you have where the uh, Dolph Lundgren He-Man shows up with the cosmic key yes. is probably one of my favorite shots of the entire first issue because oh, thank it's you. really amazing to see that version in a book, number one, you you got fans pumped over the fact that Dolph Lundgren He-Man is showing up in anything. Yeah. And a lot of people have hated that movie, but the the outpouring of, dude, he's showing up in this, is it, it got <laughs> people pumped and excited. Yeah. yeah. And your take on him is, I mean, not to, not to just, you know, do it as a cliche because it's He-Man, but he's powerful as hell in this. I mean, you really, you, yeah. you made uh-huh. him look like I'm here to take, take charge and take business. He shows uh, up, I'm, you know? I'm a huge Dolph Lundgren fan. I, I, I loved him since I saw him in Rocky four when I was a little kid. Uh, I, I liked him universal soldier. Uh, even the, what was the, it was Johnny Mnemonic where he played like a Jesus sort of dude. I forget which one it was a William Gibson one, but, uh, I like, I, I'm a big Dolph fan. That's number one. Uh, number two, like I said, that muscle and fitness, I remember thinking like, he looks so cool. Uh, the, I'll tell you the hard part of, uh, drawing is, uh, the, his boots, his shoulder pads have a lot of detail to them. Yeah, and get, getting a really clear angle is was very difficult on the internet. In fact, uh, I think uh, Dave, you and I have a mutual friend uh, uh, on Facebook. He said oh, yeah. he sent me a bunch of pictures. Oh, uh, nice. I'm not sure how you say his first name. It starts with an L, and I think he lives uh, either in Germany or or Amsterdam, one of the two. But uh, he he sent me some photos uh, a couple of days ago because he got to take pictures of the actual thing. Uh, and I'm like, man, that would have been so cool. But uh, <laughs> I, every time I draw him, he's the other one. Uh, Space He-Man and Dolph are the other ones. But you could, I mean, you could probably just see it. I put love into everything, but I put extra into those guys. Nice. Excellent. Yeah, it shows. Thank you. Well, it, you know, as beautiful as the artwork is and the story is so well written, you know, I think we can all agree that, you know, we can feel that, that like, that pain of seeing our our uh, beloved He-Man characters being slaughtered throughout oh. the series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, there's a 
Ah, <laughs> uh, man, you guys are in for some good good times. <laughs> well, that's kind of what I was like. I was having a hard time dealing with that because I saw, you know, in the beginning, I thought, okay, you, you did amazingly showing, you know, the death of Skeletor, you yeah. know, with the staff coming out of his chest. Yes. And I just kept thinking, wow, you know, I mean, you just killed off Skeletor. Yeah, it's the Ned you Stark know? move. It's the Ned Stark move, like from Game of Thrones. Yeah. You go, wait a second, I thought this was about him. <laughs> you know, you go, oh, and, shit, I guess all bets uh, are off. And I'm then, be yeah, in and position. another thing I haven't seen people talk about: Gwildor died. Oh, Gwildor yeah. died. I, I, yeah. I have a, a Gwildor toy here too. Uh, I enjoy. <laughs> I really enjoy drawing him. Uh, I, I, you know, his chicken eating self in the movie. Uh, I thought was really weird. Uh, but now that I got to draw him and really get, you know, I, I call it deep diving. Like I said, I get real intimate with the details of, uh, his costume and, and, uh, you know, the Will Stout designs, uh, the Billy Barty's makeup, how, how cool it looked. It reminded me of Labyrinth, which is another movie I enjoy. Uh, so, uh, but killing him that, that sometimes Tim and I will have a, have a laugh on the phone. We go, dude, we're going to have targets on our heads for some of these, you know? Uh, right, right. But, uh, yeah, we, 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 we iced Gwildor for sure. And hmm. rest in, rest in peace. Yeah, Gwildor. I'm holding him. I have him right here in, uh, Gwildor. <laughs> and, and the reason I bought Gwildor, he's another guy I bought at PowerCon is, uh, the cosmic key plays a very essential role. In, oh, yeah. in uh, this whole story and that's another pain in the ass to draw because mm-hmm. there's only really <laughs> one angle on the internet which is very flat uh-huh. so uh, and you know as a as an artist and you know a visual person I want to be able to move my camera around uh, so I bought this this toy so I could actually hold and look at, at a cosmic key at every angle nice that's very excellent <laughs> you know i saw the cosmic at a planet hollywood so many years ago when planet hollywood oh, was open. yeah and, i remember that and yeah. i just remember how how beautiful it looked you know i mean some yeah. hollywood props were a little disappointing yeah but when i saw that one and i saw he-man sword in that same restaurant i was yeah. i was just blown away how nice the design work and how much beauty it took even though uh, the keys, the metal uh, pitchforks they had on yeah. it, kind of rusted. Yeah, it still had some majestic elements to it. I kind of want somebody to like. I think I, I want in my search. There's somebody out there that'll make them. Uh, I I almost want to get one. You know, you're making me want. <laughs> it's got to play the music though. Yeah, I was just gonna music. say that if it doesn't play. It, well, honestly, there's that meme online where they say pictures can't make you hear things right and then they have like you know this or that and it's like if you see that cosmic key uh-huh. automatically you go to that to that right. bubble, bubble it's bubble wrap uh, I, I honestly loved how Kelder were uh comment on he didn't he hated the music of it i mean that was yeah. hilarious <laughs> yeah that's tim 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 knows his stuff and he knows he knows all the good the good button. Is there anybody, any character through your research, where you know that you looked up and you thought, you know what, I'd really like to see him in the, you know, I'd like to draw him. I'd like him to be in this comic series. Uh, what was his name? Um, hold on, I'm gonna look him up. Cause yeah. I, I, I can describe him to you, but I'd rather just say his and say it, uh, say it right because <laughs> you know, if you describe him, we'll know him. In- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, right. Uh, 
well, it's easy. I can I can describe him with one word: elephant. Oh, snapout! There you go. There you go. That's it. That's it. Yeah. I said to Tim because I didn't see him in one of our scripts, uh, and I also the other guy I really like a lot is Cyclone. Uh, oh, but, yeah. uh, I said, dude, I got to draw snout spout. Like I have to, <laughs> you know, the, he's just so ridiculous, you know, like beast, man. I love drawing. Beast. I mean, I enjoy drawing them all. Some of them are harder than others, you know, drawing the, uh, drawing like flip shot and, uh, and some of the other characters were, they were just challenges again, you know, because of the, the intricate nature of them. But, uh, apparently they all have something. Oh man. Has your property been destroyed in a recent battle? Contact the Mighty Lawyer. Even He-Man and Skeletor fear the Mighty Lawyer. You'll be taken care of. What can you tell us about the the next issue? Number two or three? Uh, Number two, I can tell you there's more deaths. Uh, (laughs) Surprise! There are uh, more surprises. There are more uh, revelations. Keldor's quest. Uh, space Skeletor is the best. <laughs> that's, that's that's what I learned. That Space Skeletor is the best. I relate to him on some weird way. Uh, but uh, let's see. And uh, without giving up anything, a two with three. Um, I really also I, Skeletor is my favorite character in all of He-Man. So I like the <laughs> fact that there's so many iterations and textures of him. The 2000X Skeletor. He is the Skeletor we know and love, but imagine if, like, the person you know and love learned all their lessons, and now they're just sad, you know? Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, so that's... I wouldn't... Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, so, wait, yeah. I, I, I understand you can't give it away, but uh, for our Shira fans, uh, can you tell us if we're going to get to see a Shira in the multiverse? You will not. I can straight Aww. up tell you that, and I'm sorry to I'm sorry to say that, but uh, there's there's like a bit of uh, entanglement as far as the who owns Shira. That's why you know, you see a separate Shira cartoon, and like right. when you see her in something, it's with permission of, uh, and so the, it, there's too much entanglement. So sadly, mm-hmm. no. I wish I, I really wanted to draw, but that said. Uh, Hordak is all up in this biz. Nice. Oh, yeah. nice. Good guy, Hordak. Uh, not a good guy, Hordak, but Hordak as Hordak. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, uh, this brings up to a question. I'm not asking for spoilers, of course. Yeah. But are there going to be iterations that we're just going to be surprised about? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was some know, weight. So- there- there was some weight to that. Yes, though. There was. Yeah. <laughs> Without question. The negative, the anti-universe itself was unexplored. We know it was there. You know, those yeah. of us in the know knows that that was from a German play. Yes. Uh, it's really deep, and it was always worth exploring. People have written about it. You've seen people do art about it. Yeah. And we have always wondered what the anti-Skeletor or Keldor would look like. You know, how that universe kind of existed. And they kind of touched on it in 2000X comic book series. Yeah. A little bit. And so, <laughs> you know, we kind of see a glimpse on that. And we're kind of like, awesome. You know, yeah. I feel bad for the widgets. Uh, yes. But, <laughs> <you know? laughs> But I was like always wondering, you know, if you start off with this, I always keep thinking, God, he's going to take us somewhere. Oh, yeah. we're going to 
Um, the the 2000X uh, little snippet you just gave us, yeah. I don't know if you can answer this question or not, but I'm a huge 2000X guy, and yeah. I am very curious whether or not whatever happens in issue three is going to be something that's set after the cartoon ended, and maybe it like gives a hint of how things were after the last episode that we watched. Is or this is that a something hope? That you're... Is this a hope that you? It's it's a hope <laughs> slash. If you if you could at least give me a maybe a yes or something, I'd be thrilled Just because put on I... put on your rubber pants that day. Oh, you are a good person. <laughs> you are a good. Per- the, I, I'm not gonna lie. Like 2000X is, is like the the whole encompassing mythology that they did in that, where they took the good of the originals and they yeah. put in their own takes with uh, like King Grayskull and all that other stuff. Yeah. That that was like the best of all worlds for me as a fan. So the fact that we got cheated out of a third season because they canceled the show and all that. And it's yeah. always been one of those things where I'm like, I'd love for something to just take me back there and give me even a glimpse of what we could have had after that. Well, you can thank episode. you can thank Tim Seeley uh, in January. Well, I'm I'm gonna thank you right now for the fact that at least I have that to look forward to. So thank you awesome. for, no for giving me that hope. And if yeah. you could pass on my thanks to Tim as well, I, I would appreciate it. So because that just you just made a bald man so happy tonight by just yeah, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a happy bald man myself. Well, so yeah. am I. I'm a happy yeah. bald man here too. Right yeah. on. So the council me. of the first ones is a bunch of bald dudes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. We we don't sit next to each other. Otherwise, we look like butts sitting all yeah, next to each other two big bald men together it doesn't work pack of eggs yeah a pack of eggs yeah. renee was talking about how deep the uh, anti-eternia you know how that universe you know how it's worth exploring and how deep it is and yeah. i'm thinking like yeah you had to basically piece together cobble together characters to make that universe and and it brings me to red beast or uh, uh you know, yeah uh, beast yeah, man yeah. being red like from the mini comic and i thought well does that mean that we're not going to you know he's we're not going to see an issue in which they travel to the mini comic universe or is it that i mean i, I was very surprised by that just just the, that the must red drive beast you man. that must drive you mad yeah, it uh, does. Um, <laughs> it's like, wow, this is interesting. All these like different versions. Well, you'll, like, you'll get to wear your rubber pants one day as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's my spoiler-free spoilers of the nice. of the night. Excellent. Yeah, I love it. I'm happy with that spoiler. That's all there is no, to it. <laughs> well, I, I think that the filmation issue is going to be the most painful because, I mean, for a lot of us, I think that that's that was our first He-Man. You yeah, know, that, that was, was my He-Man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for so sure. I, as soon as I started reading this this first issue, I thought, oh my god, like, um, you know, that that's going to be painful. I don't know what happens yet. I only have uh, I have the script. I read uh, a little of it, but I don't know who the who or hows. I only know the who and hows of the one I'm doing right now. And uh, you can you well, can that... send me a copy of it. You know. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you want fan approval, then yeah, we'll look yeah. at it. Yeah, we can we help. Have to review it for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's that goes to my uh, follow up question on that. I don't know. You guys are just barely getting into it. 
But uh, are you guys, or again, has it happened where you guys maybe, since you guys are have an outline, you have you know where you're going with. Uh, yes. Are you guys made ready to like make changes if you have to, or maybe you know as you guys are getting an issue done, uh, you or uh, uh, Mr. Seeley realizes that this might not be working. And so you guys are ready to make changes. Can you make changes like that quick on uh, a story? Yeah, I'm, sure, I'm, I'm sure Tim could. I mean, I'm, I don't want to speak for him. Uh, you know, ch- quick changes happen in comics all, often. You know, when I when I worked on Wolverine, they decided uh, that Wolverine would quit smoking. Uh, had the bullpen remove any instance of a cigar that I had drawn. So that, then they, Wolverine was standing around looking like he was saying peace out to everybody. Uh, uh. <laughs> which was really weird. Uh, but yeah, ch- changes can be made all the way up to uh, before shipping. Sure. But, uh, you know, uh, I don't, I think the outline is pretty solid and knowing, you know, knowing your end is, is really kind of crucial in, in creation of stuff. Uh, and Tim definitely knows the end. I have a question about, um, did you have any particular trouble getting approval for any specific characters? Uh, yeah, actually I did. The Tappers of Grayskull character had to go through, uh, three different, uh, three different pieces of approval. So the, my original art, if, if anybody ever sees my original art and then I'll, I'll end up posting it one day after consider things spoiler free, like maybe one issue two comes out, but I had drawn Tapper, uh, sort of, uh, muscular and short, but I drew him in my style. They wanted him to look uh, like the game. So I went online and I, again, this is the weird thing about the internet. Uh, I went online and I found the splash screen. I went on the Facebook, the official Facebook page and saw the splash screen and redrew all of the instances of uh, Tapper in that, in that style. Uh, And apparently that was wrong as well. What Mattel wanted, they wanted the actual one, like, during in gameplay they wanted it to look like the one from game i was completely surprised that uh, that would be like the one i would expect least <laughs> <laughs> yeah you would think you would think it would uh <laughs> he would be the easiest one to get through but everybody else everybody else has been great no other problems um do you see yourself interested in coming back to the property at some point? If the, another series would come up that you had time to a lot to creating on it? Uh, you never know. I mean, I, I, if you would ask me a year ago, if I would be drawing comics, the answer would be no, uh, because of how busy I stay doing storyboards and stuff. Uh, you know, cause even right now I storyboard two shows full time and draw He-Man and it, basically my day is usually about 16 hours uh, and it gets sort of tiring. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I <laughs> with an echo, echo in the, in the sweet underground world. Uh, the, uh, I mean, you never, never know. I mean, my, my next comic project after this one, uh, when when I'm done with He-Man and my shows go on hiatus, is I'm gonna bring my Black Flag comic book back. It was a book I okay. had drawn in in uh, 1994. Uh, those are some characters that I that have been basically bothering me in my sleep to <laughs> to be uh, pulled out of the vault and uh, be made breathe some life back into him so that's what's next nice you have to have those passion projects that's right 
Will maybe I can come back after issue two comes out. We can oh. have a, another discussion. Okay. That'd be amazing. <laughs> I would yeah. love to have you come here and discuss every issue. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. down. I'm down for that. that. That would be like The Walking Dead having their after-show commentary or whatever. You know, like, that was the, week, the weeks, if we time this, that the weeks that they come out and you show up on Sunday and do this with us again, man, that would yeah. be awesome. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we could keep a kill count going. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, we could do that too. And I'm warning no. you, there's, yeah. I'm warning you, there's going to be that one issue where one of us is going to be royally mad at you. Right. Yeah, I'm ready for it. I'm you ready can, for it. You can bring uh, Tim next time. We can grill both of you. Yeah, I'll get I'll get the little Pope Mobile thing where I just come through. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Throw sandwiches at me. And I'll go, yeah. Perfect. Uh, it, in my case, it won't be that. It'll be, Sean, are you crying? No. Oh, no. <laughs> no. I'm not. You're crying. I'm, I'm not crying. You're crying. I'm not. All oh, these allergies. These allergies. <laughs> I'm not in the I'm fetal allergic. position, no. I'm allergic to sadness. I'm, I'm allergic to killing my He-Man people. Yeah, yeah, uh, good stuff. Yeah, so yeah, I'm down. Uh, thank, thank you guys for having me. It was fun yeah. being able to talk about uh, talk about the stuff and helps fuel my fire. I'm finishing up issue three and and uh, you know enjoying it. So. I'm glad. I'm awesome. glad you guys are enjoying it as well. Absolutely. Well, I can tell you right now, uh, looking at the few, it's a shame. It's just a, it's just a six issue miniseries. It could easily be twelve. Right. <laughs> yeah. We'd be so that's happy. That's true. true. They could always do a uh, tales from the multiverse. They could. Oh jeez. <laughs> yeah. Let's they give could. them ideas. <laughs> yep. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> Thank you for being here. And uh, again, we hope to see you at the PowerCon again. Yeah, I hope I hope to to make it next year. That'd be great. That's where I'm from. So you know, my Perfect. family and I moved to Georgia October of last year. So anytime I can get out to California uh, is a good thing. Also, I have a YouTube show called Couch Doodles. Uh, it's spelled C O U C H D O O D L E S. And uh, I go on every night at 9 p.m. Eastern. I have uh, comic book guests. Sometimes it's just me. Sometimes I draw. Sometimes I talk. Sometimes my listeners, I invite them in uh, to join the show. So it's a, it's a whole lot of fun. So if you like comic books and you like creativity, it's, uh, it's a destination. Excellent. All right. Well, well, nice. All right. Hmm. So thank you for joining us. We look forward to You're the welcome. next. Well, we look forward to the whole thing. Okay. Yeah. I'm just waiting <laughs> to see the whole thing. We look forward to coming back. Yeah, yes. it's, it's yes. going to be cool. Yeah. So, yeah, it's at uh, some, some point next month, about right before Christmas. So, issue two will be out, and uh, we'll have to have the conversations. <laughs> oh, this is yeah. good. This is awesome. Thank you. No problem. <laughs> I'm going to go and get my show set up. i got to set up my lights and all that stuff. All right. Oh, all thanks right. a lot, guys. Happy oh, thank you. Thank you. Nice meeting you, Renee, you. Kelly, Sean, Rex, Dave. Thank you so much. It was great thanks, meeting Dan. you. Thank all you, Dan. Right, Take it easy. Right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Oh, it was so awesome having him. Yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah. I was so I I was so tempted to just. So what are you doing next? Who are you killing next? <laughs> Tell me what you know. Tell me what you know. I'll cut it out. List. Swear to me. Yeah. <laughs> and I had I don't know why I I got my wires mixed. I thought that Tim Steely. Uh, was the guy who worked for Mattel for like five years. And so I was del- 
delighted to hear that it was Dan who worked there for five years. Always surprising to find out who uh, actually worked at a or like who had a company job. Yeah, yeah, that's in the creative field. And then you know these jobs they they move around. You know they work here for a while, then they go. But I I was just absolutely blown away and uh, how dedicated he was to uh, nailing this uh, to getting it right. You know how oh, dedicated yeah. he was to doing the design work and making sure this character looked like this character. And uh, it's so cool that you know Tim is this uh, the writer is this longtime fan. Uh, I I listened to that other interview that they d- both did. Uh, listened to that today, and he was talking about how uh, his the first website he ever went to was like He-Man.org, and he's got all the classics figures, and he's got a Wonder Bread He-Man. So that you know that's all that's very very impressive to to know that some part of our our He-Man family is is uh, behind the pen, so to speak, on this. That's a, about Masters in general. I think it's an interesting community because if you start working, it, like you could start off as a fan and then somehow you find yourself getting pulled into being a part of creation on the brand at times with a lot of these people. Like on uh, Roast Google Dinner, uh, Penny Dreadful, she does the character bios for right. all this stuff now. Mm-hmm. And that, and she also was part of putting one of the big books together that she said it, it like basically like, you know, it, it, it ended her for like a month or so. She was tired <laughs> of seeing the word he man anywhere. And, you know, like uh, and Val, he's, he was a fan that managed to get the comic book stuff going. And, right. you know, it's like, it's, it's really cool that, you know, there is more fan potential of you get drawn into this brand and are able to imbue it with what excites you. And then you in turn can excite maybe a new generation of fans to bring to the line and keep mm-hmm. the, keep the brand going. Keep and the fire going. Out, it's like a family, you know, like it seeing is. Val's success, seeing pixel Dan's success, you know, and that we're all friends with them and, you know, we all get together at times. And, you know, it's like watching a family succeed. Yeah. And it's a, it's a welcoming, warm community, too. That's the other thing that's mind-blowing about the community in general. And, you know, I mean, it, for, for me, like Nate Barch, even, uh, to name drop again, uh, Roast Google Dinner, he was just a fan on the heman.org. And Val said, hey, you know, you like doing art. Do you want to help us out with this? And he just got pulled along for the ride. And it's like, you know, that's... How, how cool could that be that you as a fan actually get to do something to the brand that managed mm-hmm. to make you creative from an early age, you know? And exactly. It's like, I mean, yes. I'm, I'm not on that art level at all, but there's that part of me that's like, maybe somebody will catch my <laughs> art one day and they'll go, hey, do you want to draw He-Man for this? I'll be sure, you know, and right. that'll be the end of it for mm-hmm. me, you know? I did, I did that one picture. I'm I'm good. You know, I can die happy. <laughs> or like uh, Joe Amaro, I want to mention, you know, uh, great friend. He, uh, you know, he was always a He-Man fan and, you know, he was doing these He-Man projects. Later found out that, you know, he was the guy designing uh, Castle Grayskull and the, all the vehicles for the classics line. Man. And he was like the fifth horseman, basically. <laughs> Our character spotlight portion of the segment is on He-Man this episode. The master of the universe, the most powerful man in the universe, master of eternity, champion of Eternia, 
other names is Prince Adam. He's affiliated with the Heroic Warriors, the Masters of the Universe, the Galactic Guardians, and the Galactic Protector. His weaponry includes the Sword of Power, the Battle Axe, Shield, and one half of the Power Sword. Special abilities include Superhuman Strength, Superhuman Agility, Swordsmanship, Telepathy, Martial Arts, and Hand-to-Hand Combat. Guys, what do you think of uh, he? Uh, we know he has many iterations over the years since 1982. To throw another fandom, I'm a huge Doctor Who fan, and when I ask uh-huh. you know uh, people, who is your Doctor? You know, for me, it's like who is your He-Man? <laughs> yeah, that's a good analogy. Well, well, maybe it'd be good for our fans to hear which He-Mans are out there, uh, what iterations were created. You know, I gotta say, I'm old school. I, for me, it was the mini comics first. And I read the mini comics before I actually saw the filmation He-Man. So for me, it's always been the the mini comics He-Man. A little more violent. It's been a little more straightforward, even though he hasn't quite been consistent. Like early versions is a lot different than the later versions. And then they adapted to Prince Adam. But I always took him as like the stoic, ready to fight. But yet, you know, he'll throw in... A little more sense of humor, but he's ready to throw a punch and he's ready to throw an axe <laughs> if he has to. This one out of all the character spotlights for me was going to turn into a, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Almost like, you know, like uh, having making something for dinner and having to put certain spices in, but not overdoing too much of it or something. Because uh, my first introduction was the mini comics because I discovered the toys before I discovered filmation i was like a year ahead of the curve there so that version was more that's how i wanted it to be and the dual power swords and you know one half one half to the other and turning you know both of them into the you get into grayscale and all that and then when filmation hit the one thing that added to the mythology for me was the transformation sequence because I, i i wasn't a huge prince adam fan but the minute that he got into that pose and the minute that theme song starts up, I'm pumped. And I'm like, every time I'm a kid again, when that sequence hits, I don't care what episode it is, I'll stop. And I'll just, yeah, you know, and like <laughs> him bellowing that I have the power is, is like, to this day, I get chills hearing that because it's like, yeah. it, it, it transports me to being four again. But it also has this power to it where it's like, this guy meant business. But then my my conceit here on filmation is when he did stuff nine out of ten times, I'm like, but he didn't fight somebody the way I wanted to see him fight them. He's throwing them or he's this or he I wanted to see him go head to head with the power sword in his hand, fighting somebody and making it like, okay, it's this, you know, and he's he's going to battle. So 2000 X then that's another ingredient you got. You know, he did do that. He went up against the the council of evil and the evil warriors all at once plus uh serpos at the end and it's like that's the kind of battles i've been wanting to see so that's why 2000x still has my heart now so it's like you you mix all those together and you have my perfect version of he-man really i can't really say this is definitively my version that's Mm -hmm. the really annoying part about the character for me at, at, at the age I am right now in my 40s. I guess with me, I'm going to have to go with the filmation. Yes, I was introduced to the mini comics first and all like that, but it, it seemed like there was more than filmation always let on. The inner struggle of who do I let know about my secret? Who 
don't I? How do I keep my family safe without letting them know? So I actually, I was a little older when Filmation came out. I was my tween years. So I was able to start thinking, well, okay, I see why he's turning to Prince Adam and why he would wasn't with the aggressive fighting, that he was a more mature He-Man, where in 2000X version, which I do have him incorporated, he's the younger one, the headstrong, where he's willing to go in and fight, where that inner battle still wasn't there yet. So I'm more filmation with a little sprinkle of 2000X. The, the one thing I want to say really quick about Filmation and any iteration since then that is is something that always kind of nags at me is you have in every iteration other than the mini comics, you have Adam that starts the ball. And to me, it almost feels like then He-Man is a guy in those in every iteration after that point. He-Man, other than the movie. Other than the Dolph Lundgren movie, He-Man is a guise for Adam. So Adam's almost your character that you have to follow. And He-Man is his way of learning to be a man and to be responsible with power. Because he will be in line to be the king of Eternia at some point. But it's it's weird. It's like many comics are almost like that's where my heart and soul is in that sense. Because He-Man was He-Man. So he was that character throughout until they brought Adam into the mythology. And I don't know why, but as I've gotten older, I'm like, that kind of bugs me. Because, like, Superman, if he takes off the Clark Kent persona, he's Superman. That's who he is. But in every other version, it's like there's a magical component that has to turn the character from Adam to He-Man to make that character then play out the rest of the story or make it relevant in the story. And I almost feel like it shortchanges He-Man as a character that that has to happen. But that's what we're – that's the – the He-Man that we've become accustomed to because Filmation got that going and everybody knows that version. Even with the 2000X, it goes all the way back to King Grayskull. And it's sort of like He-Man is really this King Grayskull still continuing to live on. And he takes over the body of Prince Adam. We know eventually he does go to his son, uh, Dare, because uh, that um... was established in the classics line mini comics mm-hmm. sorry not the mini comics in the bios yeah. so it's sort of like grayskull spirit is he-man and it's embodying the whoever is holding that sword at the time you know and i wrestle with dare i'll be honest i i don't i always felt that king grayskull was acceptable as an ancestor because they've kind of touched on it that comes from all the way from the uh, mini comics and then 2000x created it which okay you know that's that that was part of preternia and history and in the toy line he-man did go uh back in time that was the proposed storyline they were going with and they had the commercial where he-man went back in time but i never quite liked that he was going to give it to dare and then there was going to be that he-man and and it just, to me, it kind of like demeaned He-Man because the idea was He-Man was the chosen one, that he was the one who could carry the power. He was the one that carried things off and was the hero who was going to save the universe. And that's why, oh, you know, I wrestled with the idea of Dare. I was kind of glad it never happened. And then they did make the figure and... <laughs> 
And, you know, and I was kind of like, oh, Scott, you promised you wouldn't, but he did. And so that was kind of my thing, you know, and when I kind of think about the ideal, really like the one that it comes down to, like, who do I think was the best one? I have to give my vote to like the movie He-Man. You know, Dolph Lundgren did what I wanted him to do. He was a fighter, but he was wise. You know, he was compassionate. But when he had to, yeah, he would wipe the floor. My favorite scene was always in that back alley scene where he fought Blade and, you know, uh, Sorod and, you know, all the other ones there. Because you saw what he really could do. Yeah. And I just didn't think that Dare... You know, when you go with that, you know, you kind of demean it and say, oh, Adam didn't bother. You could have given him the sword to anybody or anybody with the line and they could have been He-Man. And that's right. the creation of Dare. And that's why I never liked it. I always thought it should have been just He-Man. And Penny, uh, you know, Danielle kind of rectified it with, you know, the film with the movie He-Man bio, calling him rebel leader He-Man. And they're kind of trying to retcon this. A little bit, because even Scott said, you know, that, you know, when you have all these other ones, it was always He-Man. He-Man was always to be the guy, but he kind of admitted that they kind of wandered away from that. Yes. My favorite He-Man iteration, honestly, was I grew up on the film Tration, the mini comics. But as I got older, I really began to appreciate the other iterations. The Marvel Star comics was uh, one of my favorites because how they said it in the alternate uh, universe. They were all familiar, but it was a little bit more different derivative narrative. It was a little bit more danger to it, it seems. It's been years since I've read those. I had the whole line of that when I was a kid. Um, I, I, actually, I still have it. I, I do remember, like, if I read those, it made me want to play with my toys and not play, like, filmation with those. I do remember that much, at least. I, it was It was. It was kind of getting into a little more depth to the characters and fleshing stuff out compared to what filmation was able to do on a daily basis in some ways i do remember uh that feeling with those books well it was it was sending him 30 years into the future to reclaim the power sword and how he had to uh uh prevent the destruction of grayskull and he ended up having to return some time to erase the possible future from happening it was just I love the time travel aspect of it and how it added more, it emptied up the stakes. But Are you talking about the uh, Star Comics? Yes. Oh, okay. The 1986 Star Comics by yeah. uh, Marvel Star. But um, as far as iterations go, growing up with them, my favorite was Thunder Punch Heeman, personally. Um, I love the figure. Um, I wish that they ingrained him in the filtration series that way, but yeah. See, mine was Battle Armor Heen. I <laughs> I just loved him, you know, and, and I remember I have the memory because that one my mom got. Like I came home from school oh, and nice. my mom my mom was like, Oh honey, I, I found this one at the store. I thought you might like it. And it was Battle Pun it was Battle Armor He Man. Wow. That's a wonderful memory to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, I I've always had a place in my heart for the filmation version. Uh, I I always enjoyed the fact that you know he was fighting mostly with his he was using his brains you know rather than chopping people up with his sword he was always finding ways to outsmart his his enemies and 
and uh, to save his friends. And, uh, you know, some of the best episodes of Masters of the Universe didn't involve hardly any action, you know, any fighting at all. So, yeah, that's my that's my favorite version. Well, the filmation was the most prolific. Mm-hmm. And they do have some really good episodes. I mean, the uh, oh, the Tila's or I mean, um, oh, the one where they go into Tila. I keep forgetting bad with titles. Tila's uh, yeah, Tila's Quest, and mm-hmm. uh, that was one of my favorites. And um, the Dragon's Gift was always a, a, one of my other favorites, and that's a favorite for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. House of Shakodi. Yeah. Every yeah. time for me. Like, that that one I felt, it, Larry Dettilio did an amazing job of having elements of the creepiness and the mystery of the mini-comics with that episode. And he also had the filmation side of it there. But the thing that was great was like the mini comics always had for me at least the original four Alcala mini comics there was always this feeling of uneasiness because you didn't know what Eternia was about you didn't know what was in the darkness and there was all this like most thing, battles happened at night so there was this ooh there was an eeriness to it and the spookiness of Skeletor and and Grayskull and the second episode of that for me, like when I was a kid, I just was glued to the TV for that, no matter what. And Shakodi to this day is still one of my absolute favorite villains of the entire line because she proved she was crazier than Skeletor. And if she would have gotten away with it, might have actually conquered Eternia all on her own using the the living darkness they talked about. And the other thing I like about that one really quick is when he turns into He-Man on that episode – it made me feel safe as a kid watching that because there was a, the, the whole thing with um, oh, uh, Stanlin when the, when the tentacles pull him into the, the door and you hear Shakodi laughing and that creepy laugh in the darkness there. And I love that cringer. Adam, you better draw your sword because it's two seconds. I'm back in the palace. <laughs> and the minute that hit as a kid, that was like when Superman, when Clark Kent ran at the screen and you rip open the shirt and the S comes out. It's like, we need help. And then all of a sudden, by the power of Grayskull. It's like, as a kid, I couldn't have been happier to see that transformation in that episode. Because <laughs> I was like, well, if anybody could do this, it's He-Man. you got to get He-Man. You know? <laughs> so. One of the things while you're talking about the transformation sequence, I always found it utterly astounding that the sheer amount of power and force they had to go into transforming from Adam to E-Man, that nobody ever heard that thunderous crash and uh, power. I mean, that was always astounding, man. Like, don't you hear what's going on over there? <laughs> well, it, there, there are episodes in Filmation and even in 2000X where he will go the distance to get away from what's happening. And then there's other episodes where he just whips out the sword and it just, boom, it's just on. And I agree with you. And like, I, I was just rewatching uh, going to 2000X really quick, but there, the episode, um, The Last Stand, and that's the one where Skeletor is about to get into Skull. He's got the, the Council of Evil and the Evil Warriors with him. And he just threw Adam into the chasm in front of Skull, and he landed on like the lip of the cliff. And Orko's given him his power sword back. And in that moment, I'm there like, so Skeletor didn't figure it out then. Because that moment, you see the power is getting drawn into the chasm that Adam just fell from. And He-Man's leaping out of it. 
And and I'm like, if the, if he didn't figure it out in that episode, Skeletor needs a little bit of help now because it's like there was no way around not knowing that Adam was Heenan because you could see the lightning going down exactly where he fell. And, it, you know, it's like I agree with you completely because there's some episodes where he gets so far removed from the palace that it would probably be, oh, it could have been something like getting blown up off in the in the courtyard or something, maybe if they're under attack. But there's other ones where yeah, he just goes into another room and you think that room would be toast. <laughs> so, yeah. Just to point out something in 2000 X, they had an episode where he transformed and evil Lynn saw the lightning from a distance. Yeah, that's and she right. She was like, hmm. Uh-huh. You know, where was you said that was in the uh, 2000 X cartoon? Yeah. It, it was oh, in, I think, season one of it. I don't remember the exact episode. Yeah, she, uh, I don't remember the exact episode, but it was in the Dark Hemisphere. And he transformed out, and you see, like, the lightning coming down, and Evil Lynn saw it in the distance. And mm-hmm. she's like, hmm. You know, she kind of made a face. Yeah. But she you didn't know, see Adam. You know, it's interesting, though, in the 2012 uh, DC Masters Universe comic where uh, they lost their memories temporarily and then uh, they kind of remembered who they were and everything. Tila uh, goes up to the top spire of uh, Eternia's and she, man's tra- Adam's transforming and Tima's like, how'd you know I was up here? She's like, oh, you need a lot of space and room for that uh, power. A lot of power comes into play here. Yep. Yeah, that's yeah. that's in the like the the second uh, edition of or the second volume, I'm gonna call it, when they did mm-hmm. the the full on. Here's the whole series. Then after the mini series ended or whatever. What do you I think about that, that? I thought that was awesome. I mean, I loved how Tila kind of knew what was going on. She was like, okay, uh, I figured you'd be up here. <laughs> well, the the thing is nowadays in in a lot of pop culture, and we're talking DC, Marvel, and everybody else. There is this tendency now to throw away the dual identity aspect of stuff. And they did it completely in that series because when you get to the Injustice series, the Masters versus Injustice or the other way around, I guess it is, there is this moment where he just transforms in front of everybody and they're expecting him to. And I don't know. There's an element of it where it's like, you know, there's a part of me that it, it, they did it even on Shira. Shira just transforms yeah. in front of anybody on the on the cartoon now. What do you guys think of that? Do you think that should be a sacred thing, or do you think it doesn't matter as long as the hero comes in to kick some butt? Because that was established with He-Man in this brand, pretty much. I was kind of off-put by uh, the transformation being taken away after Thundercats' uh, crossover, because honestly... It was like everybody already knew, and they were kind of booing him because uh, they all knew at that point. Yeah. And then there's the beginning of the uh, New Adventures cartoon uh, where the parents are like, oh, it was you the whole time? Oh, we're so proud of you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speaking of the New Adventures, I loved in the mini-comic in 1989 where uh, He-Man transforms in that one from Adam for the last time, apparently, they were going to do. And it's like He-Man is no more in front of Skeletor and everything. That was just so awesome. Well, it's interesting. You're Prince Alan. <laughs> in the so. mini-comic and in the cartoon, uh, the sword was already uh, designed, you know, as the futuristic New Adventures sword before he made the transformation into He-Man. Yeah. Well, there's a... There's a practical explanation for that. I mean, 
it, it's la- no, it, it's it's deeper, more realistic. It's lazy animation. <laughs> <laughs> well, and lazy. Okay, lazy this is the yeah. this is the Batman with the open neck collar Scooby Doo episode. <laughs> yeah. They did not. They did not care enough for detail. Animation in the seventies, eighties, and nineties, and which again, nineties, we kind of started having a shift where they animators just didn't care. The person doing that episode did not care about the details. He did not care what was before, what was going on. He was just a job. I always thought it was uh, the power of uh, the future. I mean, the knowledge of the future and the power of the past merged and changed the power sword instantly. Except it wasn't. It was all the sword itself was already changed. Yeah, we even He-Man was when we saw He-Man, he was in the design. In that first episode, he was just walking, you know, remember, he was just walking by a lake. And so, yeah, that was disappointing. But then, like I said, they didn't pay attention. They didn't care. If it was done today, they would have made the classic He-Man and then they would have had him transform and they would have transformed the sword. Speaking of infiltration, I honestly thought it was weird that they changed the traditional Iron Cross on He-Man's chest armor to that uh, strange cross-like thing that they did for his symbolism on his sword and his uh, belt buckle. Oh, you mean in 2000X? Yes, uh, versus the original traditional Iron Cross that was on his uh, chest piece. I always figured, because the the show itself always had that design. I don't think they ever had the Iron Cross that I remember. And that was their attempt to... I think they were worried about the symbolism of that, because there were people that always had that Oh, well, he's blonde and blue-eyed, and there's the Iron Cross on his chest. And and it's like, they they did almost like a, let's put the Iron Cross with the H for the battle armor, and we're going to simplify that into this asterisk kind of design. And I, I wasn't a huge fan of that myself. Like, I, I always felt it was just the symbol of that wasn't nearly as powerful as either the cross or the battle armor He-Man H which I thought they, it would have been great if they co-opted that if they wanted to go in. Yeah, the uh, the Iron Cross came out like the first wave. And yeah, then they I changed have one it. of those. Yeah, but I, I think on the cartoon, they just they didn't even go there. They just had him with the H asterisk or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> if I remember right. I'd have to yeah. double check the first episode. It, it does it's look un- like an asterisk. It's unfortunate. It you is. know, like you said, it's just uh, the Iron Cross Association. Apple's kind of wondered about the uh, little red squares that was on his armor. I never understood what those were specifically for. Does anybody know? I'll take a guess. <laughs> um, the, the, his armor originally in the mini comics, there were two types of armor he had. He had a force field one and he had a pow- a strength augmenting armor. The thing mm-hmm. in my head that I go to just creatively is maybe those were there to show how much power was still in the armor because it has to be a powered armor. So maybe if they're all red, it shows, okay, the armor's on and full function or something. And then as Filmation went on, and that isn't even a thing they touched on in Filmation because he just, boom, by the power of Grayskull and he's just He-Man, that's part of maybe why they didn't even touch on those those squares other than it would have been annoying to keep drawing those all the time in the animation as well. Because I remember when I was a kid, I remember complaining to my mom about that cartoon 
because I loved the way the He-Man looked as the figure. And I, I was like, where are those? Where are the where are the squares? Where's this? Where's that? Where's the where's the axe? Where's the shield? And my mom just kind of, you know, she sat me down and she's like, little Sean, they're animators. Their yeah. hands get tired. They don't want to draw these little details every day of their lives. They're making it simpler so they can animate it easier. And 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 I just looked at her and I'm like, I don't, I don't accept this. And that was, and I moved on. And I still was like, my He-Man was the toy He-Man for that reason. And the filmation, when I always felt like he he had a character to him that I thought was good. But yeah, the look of him, it's iconic because everybody grew up on it. But I'll still go back to that vintage figure and be like, that's still my boy. I, I started with him and it, it darn well is ending with that look for me as that's my overall. So I guess it, as the iteration or the variation, my first would, would be the original version of him, the way he looked, because that is such an iconic look for him. And then if I had to pick a second one, if we can't use that one as the option, it'd probably be Battle Arm because... He, it's like if if the movie goes that direction, if they don't do the original version, I want them to try to make it like battle armor because those two to me speak the most of this is my He-Man, you know, and this is the classic look of him in that way. One of the things I want to touch that you said, Sean, about how he beat the camera, he broke the fourth wall a lot, and I thought that was very interesting because that was well before I knew what the fourth wall was. <laughs> <laughs> well, he starts off the show by saying he's the most powerful man in the universe, and he punches the screen. So the fourth wall gets broken every day when you show up for that show. <laughs> <laughs> You're in on the secret, just like everybody else out there. But it's only Man at Arms, uh, Sorceress, and Orko. But we know who I am too, right? Wink. You know, it's that kind of thing. Well, just to point that out real quick, that was a typical filmation intro. You know, that intro kind of followed the same formula as the Black That's, Star series. That is true, yes. And uh, a lot of his, uh, same thing, uh, the Tarzan series that mm -hmm. they did started the same way. The uh, Zorro started off the same way, you know, and the action. And, and I remember Zorro, it almost, almost scene for scene was kind of the same thing, you know. And so he had, you know, Lou Scheimer, as great as he is, he knows like, hey, this formula works. Mm -hmm. I'm going to keep using it, you know? <laughs> well, for a syndicated show, you know, it's like you, you got to treat it. Every episode is somebody's first episode. So if they didn't know what it was to go into it, it's like, boom, here's your primer on it. 30 seconds, you boom, you got what it is about. Let's tell a story now. It worked in that level. I would like to thank our special guest, Dan Froy, for coming on the show with us and giving us some insight into the Masters of the Multiverse. And as always, to get your up-to-date information on He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, please check out our friends over at He-Man.org. Until next time, I wish you a good journey. I'm Renee. I'd like to thank you all for joining us for the latest nerd news and the latest news out there. Please check out Nerds on the Couch on our Facebook page. And good journey. This was a really fun time. I, I enjoyed Dan's interview. And, uh, you know, it's just great to get together with everybody before the holiday, uh, before Thanksgiving. So I hope everybody has a fantastic Thanksgiving. And, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, uh, everybody check out the He-Man and the Masters of the Universe uh, Multiverse Facebook page. Good journey. This is Rex. I would like to uh, thank you all for having me again on this amazing episode. And wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. Good journey.
And this is Sean Skavarna. You can find me on Facebook at October Sun Art. Uh, I want to thank Dan Fraga for uh, coming in and basically making me a very happy man by knowing 2000X is alive and well in this uh, multiverse comic. And uh, pick it up at your local comic shop or check it out digitally. Happy Thanksgiving, folks, and good journey. This has been a Nerds on the Couch production in association with adultcollector.org. Well, it's it's an interesting story because they uh, the filmation actually hired I don't know if it was an ind- individual or group to yeah. to basically task them with making sure that the show was safe for children uh, yeah. so that the the parents groups would approve because even bef- long before the show even came out uh, you know there were a lot of concerned parents. Um, thinking that you know uh, that the, it was going to be a very violent show, and they didn't want to expose their children to that. Sure, that's how well, that, why they had a message every time. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Bill actually believed in that everything should have a message, and he actually did have a child psychologist hired as part mm-hmm. of the filmation regular staff. It wasn't just he man; he did yeah. it across the board in almost every one of his original series that wasn't licensed they do that at mattel too that's uh it's interesting you it's know being, smart. being a child psychologist must be must must be a huge uh undertaking because he's a child you know he's a kid and so he's <laughs> it's a big job for him <laughs> that's hilarious